This morning from Mark's writing, chapter 10, beginning in verse 35. James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came forward to him and said to him, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. And he said to them, What is it you want me to do for you? And they said to him, Grant us to sit, one at your right hand and one at your left, in your glory. But Jesus said to them, You do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink, or be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? They replied, We are able. Then Jesus said to them, The cup that I drink you will drink. And with the baptism with which I am baptized, you will be baptized. But to sit at my right hand or at my left is not mine to grant, but it is for those for whom it has been prepared. When the ten heard this, they began to be angry with James and John. So Jesus called them and said to them, You know that among the Gentiles, those whom they recognize as their rulers lorded over them, and their great ones are tyrants over them. But it is not so among you. But whoever wishes to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wishes to be first among you must be slave of all. For the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give His life a ransom for many. This is the Word of God for the people of God. Last Sunday, our Bible passage that we considered ended in the same chapter in verse 31 with Jesus speaking and saying, Many who are first will be last, and the last will be first. And then the appointed reading skipped the next couple of verses in which Jesus tells the disciples for the third time that He's about to be turned over, given over to human hands, tortured, killed, and on the third day rise again. And then right after that, we have the story we read today. It seems like to me that James and John, these brothers who are two of the twelve closest disciples of Jesus, are oblivious to what Jesus has been teaching them. It seems like they are not listening. Let's review for just a moment the way Mark tells the story of how this ministry with Jesus begins and they're traveling around and Jesus is healing people and teaching and the crowds are growing and everything seems to be going wonderfully well. And then in chapter 8, it begins to turn when Jesus asks the disciples, who do people say that I am? And they give various answers. And then He looks at them and says, but who do you say that I am? Only Peter answers. And He says, you are the Messiah. And then in the very next verse, Mark records this. Then Jesus began to teach them that the Son of Man must undergo great suffering 
and be rejected and be killed and after three days rise again. Peter objects to what Jesus says. Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. And then Mark tells us that Jesus calls the crowd together along with His disciples and says this to them, if any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. And then the next big story that Mark records in the Gospel is that Jesus selects Peter, whom he's just called Satan, and James and John, who we hear about today, and he takes the three of them up on a mountain. And they have this mystical experience of seeing Jesus dazzling like white lightning. And then a cloud overshadows them. And they hear these words. This is my Son, the Beloved. Listen to Him. With an explanation point, listen to Him. I think they have forgotten that already. They don't seem to be listening to what Jesus is telling them. Does it seem like they're paying attention? That they're listening closely to what Jesus is saying in terms of the path of discipleship being one that's going to lead Him to be arrested, tortured, crucified? It doesn't seem like it to me. After that transfiguration experience, Jesus tells the whole disciple band a second time what's about to happen in terms of what's going to happen to Him And they promptly end up in a discussion about which one of them is the greatest. It seems almost opposite of what Jesus is teaching them in terms of what they're thinking about is going to happen because they're following Him. In the ninth chapter, in verse 35, after they have this discussion about which one of them is the greatest, Mark records that Jesus sat down, called the twelve, And said to them, whoever wants to be first must be last of all and servant of all. Then there's a series of other teachings. The story of the young man with many possessions that we talked about last week. And then the third time that Jesus says to them what's going to happen to him. And the sacrifice he's getting ready to make. And then right on the heels of that story, Mark gives us the story we read today where James and John seem to think that this trip to Jerusalem is going to be like a big concert and Jesus is going to be the superstar with the limelight and they want to make sure that he calls them out of the crowd so they get a little bit of the glory and honor. It's stunning. Sometimes to read through the stories and see how the disciples, even though they were the closest people with Jesus, are struggling to comprehend what He's talking about. And certainly it is a different notion of glory and power when the path leads through arrest, torture, crucifixion, and death. I think it is fair to conclude that it is hard for the disciples to hear what the Christian path of discipleship looks like. 
But thank God that Jesus is patient with the disciples and patient with us when we're not listening to what He keeps trying to say to us is at the heart of life and life abundant and life eternal and where the path of following Him leads. But in our story today, it seems like Jesus in His great patience after these two brothers asked to get a piece of the glory then the other ten hear about it and they're angry so there's a lot of conflict in the group over in verse 42 feels like jesus calls them together and says let's try this one more time mark writes it like this so jesus called them and said to them you know how among the Gentiles, those whom they recognize as their rulers, lord it over them. And their great ones are tyrants over them. But it is not so among you. But whoever wishes to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wishes to be first among you must be slave of all. I wonder if they're listening. I wonder if we are listening to what Jesus says over and over in these Gospel stories about the way to life, about what it means to be a follower of His. Jesus gives us a choice Over and over, he says, if any want to be my follower, not that you have to be my follower, but if you want to be, or in our passage today, any who wishes to become great among you, you don't have to do that, but you have a choice. If you want to be a follower of his, this is the way to go. A few years ago, a young pastor wrote a book called Not a Fan not a fan and what he talks about in the book is that it seems like in his experience working in the church where he worked that a lot of people came to the church to be a fan like a sports fan to be a fan of jesus they wanted to cheer jesus on they wanted to enjoy the music but they didn't really want to be a follower that they quickly fell away any time he began to talk about service and sacrifice, about life change. He says it seems like to him a lot of people are more like fans of Jesus than followers. It seems like to me, in our passage today, James and John are thinking more like fans They're ready to cheer Jesus on. They want a little piece of the limelight. They want to be there when the glory comes. They don't seem to be listening when Jesus is talking about the path of discipleship and what it means to respond to the call of God in our lives. Last Sunday, one of the United Methodist pastors who travels around and 
teaches and preaches and coaches and functions as a consultant for lots of different Methodists around the country came to Tulsa. Our district superintendent invited him to speak to us. One of the things he shared was a demographic study asking people, what is the purpose of the church? What is the purpose of the church? He said 80% of people said the purpose of the church was to take care of me. And he says, it's important for us to take care of people. But if as far as people have gotten it is to think that the purpose of the whole church is to take care of them, they have truncated the gospel. They have not heard the whole message. They're standing more like fans of Jesus rather than followers of Jesus. He went on to talk about why this is important. To understand why we need to grasp the gospel in its wholeness. He shared a different study. He said recently some researchers have looked at worship statistics for Christians across America. And they could not find. They looked at every county in America and they could not find one single county where there were more Christians worshiping regularly than there were 10 years ago. That means there's not a single area in the country, north or south, east or west, where there are more people experiencing the love of God in Christ in a church than there were 10 years ago, a few years ago. We are in decline in terms of being relevant to witness to the love of God of God being alive in our country. It was hard to believe not a single county anywhere are we reaching more people. He said, you know, it might be because we think it's all about us rather than what God is calling us to in terms of witness and proclamation and service. But unlike some speakers who only bring you the bad news, he had some good ideas in terms of what we could do differently. Put one of them in your outline. He called it the 5-10 link rule. He said one way we could begin to change this is think about how we behave when we come to church What he suggested was, and this is the five part of it, that five minutes before the service and five minutes after the service, we look around and see if there's anyone in the building we haven't met. And if there is somebody, what we should do, rather than what we mostly do, which is think, I don't think I know them, is to go over to them and say, hi, I'm David Wiggs, nice to meet you, and learn their name, and welcome them into the fellowship of this family of Christ. More often, what do we do? We see them. We do not speak to them. We say to somebody else later, do you know who that is? And we both say, no, we don't. And it ends there. The ten part, he said, is that while we are here in this building, 
we come to have our own needs met. That is clear and that's fine. But he said we should be scanning all the time in the hallway, in the sanctuary, in a classroom, on the steps, in the parking lot. If somebody comes within 10 feet of us that we do not recognize or know, we should do the same thing. We should speak to them and welcome them. And if we have a chance, stop and meet them and introduce ourselves. And then comes the link part. He says, anytime that you're able to meet somebody and tell them your name and learn their name, then before you do anything else, you should introduce them to somebody else you know here. So then they've met two people in the matter of seconds. And he says, of course, what often happens is you say your name, they say their name, and then you promptly forget what their name is. So then next time you see them, it's hard to speak. But he says, if you have to introduce them to somebody else, either you're going to say their name again, or you're going to say to the person that you do know, oh, this is Eva Marie, and then the new person will say, oh, I'm Amy Venable, or whoever. So that we link them with somebody else in the family of faith. So that we give them a chance to begin to know this part of the body of Christ. He says it's a way to serve in the name of Christ by just thinking 5, 10, link. It might make a difference. He says this is really important. Because when people who visit American churches are asked why they don't come back, the number one reason is nobody spoke to me. Nobody spoke to me. What a tragedy for someone coming to seek Christ or a new relationship with God to come into this building and leave and nobody even bothers to speak to them. Will they conclude that Christians are the most loving people in the world? That Christians are really the ones who care? Probably not. We know that Americans are staying away from churches in numbers that we have never seen before. But what if we thought we know God is drawing people to this place and we have opportunity to express the love of God we know in Christ simply by saying, hello, my name is... It can change a life. I tell you, it can change a life. It is a way to serve in the name of Christ. We have guests come into our building every week. And we have a great opportunity to serve them in the name of Christ. Jesus comes into our world and sees the pain and hurt of the world and says to us in this very last verse that we read today, I came not to be served, but to serve and to give my life for many. You want to be a follower of Christ? Serve and give. It's that simple. Be willing to serve and give.
There's so many ways that we can do that. You may have seen the story in the Word this week that talk about those 25,000 meals that a bunch of us got together and packaged last August. You remember that? It's called Rise Against Hunger. We were over in Jubilee. If you didn't get to go, the people that gathered there packaged these meals. Dry goods put together in a way that if you add water, you have a hot and nutritious meal. They promised they'd let us know where those went. We got a letter back from them. They said, Nicaragua. They went to Nicaragua. If you haven't been following the news from that part of the world, Nicaragua is basically broken out into a civil war. There's a lot of violence and unrest. It used to be the safest country in Central America a few years ago. Not so today. Lots of strife. But they said what they've been able to do is to partner with a school, and rather than giving the meals to a family, they've given the meals to this school. Because kids had quit coming to school because of all the violence and the poverty. They said, but now they know they can get a hot meal at school. Attendance has skyrocketed. Nearly 100% attendance, even in the midst of the warfare that's going on. And they said, of course... Now that they're coming to school, their academic performance is growing. They are learning to read and write, to do math. Education is a scarce commodity in Nicaragua. But because of your efforts on a Sunday afternoon in Jubilee Hall, you're giving these young people a chance at a much fuller life. Serve. And give is a way to follow Jesus. But of course, we can do this in our everyday lives. Some people choose to be reading buddies at Burroughs, our partner school. Some choose to teach a Sunday school class here or to volunteer with our Sistema after school program or to serve as a part of our compassion meal on Thursday nights. Or to be a part of our prayer team and pray for those amongst us who have expressed specific concerns. Some choose to visit homebound or call upon them. Some lead a scout troop. Some write a card of sympathy or condolence or thank you to somebody else. So many ways to serve and give. If we're ready, if we decide that we want to be a follower of Christ, it's our choice, it's a decision we make. Let's listen to Jesus so that we might truly be His disciples. Amen. Thanks be to God.